What happened in the presidential election last November? It seems charismatics and evangelicals have been at war with one another over what they perceive to be failed prophecies in the political arena, while others simply believe that more time needs to be given to those prophecies before throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. In today's teaching, I want to shore up the importance of the gift of prophecy as it's mentioned in the New Testament, because the gift itself is being despised and denigrated on social media. We shouldn't forget that the Apostle Paul admonished believers not to despise prophesying. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Sail Away by Christine Darick. Forty-four years ago, Christine and her husband Peter sold all their possessions to buy tickets on a round-the-world voyage, exploring the Caribbean onto South America, across the Atlantic to South Africa, then onto India, Sri Lanka, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Communist China, and finally Japan and Hawaii. The exploits of that three months at sea are recalled in Christine's new audiobook, Sail Away. Set sail with more than three and a half hours of exploring the world. Sail Away by Christine Darg is now available to download from the audible.com website. So enjoy a voyage of spiritual discovery as you listen to Christine read Sail Away, discovering the Holy Spirit on a world cruise. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Recently, the New Testament gift of prophecy has become quite controversial due to what's perceived as failed prophecies concerning the American presidential election. Now, according to J. Gordon Melton, who compiles information for the Encyclopedia of American Religions and who is religious studies professor at Baylor University, at least 40 charismatic Christian leaders anticipated Donald Trump's re-election in 2020. Many of their prophecies started around 2018. Privately and on social media, these sometimes self-appointed prophets and their followers are still struggling with the issue. Some of the prophets who have since apologized rather than waiting to see if God eventually brings their words to pass have been criticized and even cursed by some who've issued death threats. Many people erroneously think of prophets in the churches as fortune tellers, but in reality, they are much more like media op-ed writers. By that I mean, they challenge leaders to make moral decisions. And after all, that is essentially what great prophets in the Bible did often with harsh words, attacking kings and foreign leaders and warning of wars and famines and so forth as judgments from God. 
Many prophets in the Hebrew Bible did predict the future, but the New Testament prophet is not so much one who predicts the future, but one who expresses and interprets the mind of the Lord. Because the gift of prophecy has become so controversial this past year, I think it would be timely to discuss afresh the role of New Testament-style prophecy in encouraging vision and strengthening our faith. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul wrote about the distribution of various gifts of the Holy Spirit within the body of believers. He said, to one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another, the gift of faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, the gift of prophecy, to another, the discerning of spirits, and so on and so forth. Well, I'd like to testify how grateful I am personally throughout my adult life for the ministry of New Testament-style prophets. Many believers don't acknowledge that prophets even exist in the earth today, but I've been blessed by them. There's abundant evidence even for them, the ministry of the prophets, in the New Testament. You see, the prophet is one of the five ministry offices mentioned in Ephesians 4.11. The office of the prophet has never been withdrawn from the body of Messiah. And Paul wrote in Ephesians 4.12 that prophets will continue along with apostles, evangelists, pastor, teachers, to be used by the Holy Spirit for the perfecting of the people of God until Jesus comes. Incidentally, those who say that women can't teach and preach and prophesy should note that the fivefold ministry office of prophet has a female counterpart in the Bible. Prophetess is the feminine form of prophet and is used, for example, of the prophetess Anna in Luke chapter 2. And of course, there are several prophetesses in the Hebrew Bible, such as Deborah and Huldah. Although the gift of prophecy is sometimes misused by immature believers, and certainly it's often counterfeited, nevertheless, the church must heed Paul's admonition in 1 Thessalonians 5.20 not to despise prophesying. In fact, we must learn to esteem the genuine prophetic word. For it's the prophetic word spoken under the unction of the Holy Spirit that creates and calls situations into being from the invisible realm. It is also the prophetic word spoken in a moment of dire discouragement for somebody or perplexity that, like the Word of God, sustains us for many a day, a month, sometimes even years, until God's Word, God's vision, God's promise is fulfilled and manifests. Without the ministry of the prophet and the gift of prophecy, my vision for ministry and the vision of many other ministers would be less dimensional. You see, the prophet can be likened to one who adds sinews and flesh onto the skeleton and general framework of vision. To demonstrate that the prophetic gift is still vital today, let's look at an example from the life of one of my mentors, a blessed memory, 
German evangelist Reinhard Bonke. I want to note how two prophetic words in particular helped to impart and to strengthen his vision to evangelize the African continent. When Reinhard was a young boy, a woman in a prayer meeting at his father's Pentecostal church stood up and prophesied that she saw a boy breaking the bread of life to multitudes of black people sitting in a semicircle. Then dramatically, she pointed to young Reinhardt and said, and this is the boy. That prophecy went deep into his spirit and helped to form his vision of preaching in Africa. It was not until many years later when conducting his first mass evangelistic event in a circular stadium that Reinhard Bonke saw fulfilled before his eyes what had been prophesied and imparted to his spirit as a child. Similarly, as a missionary evangelist in Africa, going from strength to strength, one day Reinhard received a prophecy that he would smash through the iron gates of religion. It was a word that hit the target in his spirit, and many times he quoted it, not only to strengthen his own resolve to preach to the entire African continent, but to help explain the scope of his vision. When times get tough and the forces of darkness tempt us to quit, we remember the words, the dreams, the visions, the purposes that have been spoken prophetically over our lives. And like David in the Bible, we are encouraged to encourage ourselves in the Lord, as he did in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. And then we press on. Paul said to wage a spiritual warfare with the prophetic word spoken over your life. So when the murderer, Satan, and the forces of darkness try to take our lives out prematurely, we should proclaim, I will live and not die. There are yet unfulfilled prophecies that have been spoken over my life. And like Paul, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I refuse to let evil forces take me out prematurely before the vision is accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. That's why it's very important that we keep a record of all prophetic words that pertain to our ministry vision and to review them regularly to overcome the enemy's wiles by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, especially if the word of our testimony includes very powerful personal prophetic words given by a man or woman of God. In my own life and in the life of my family, the prophetic word has been an essential ingredient to divine guidance and vision. Angels appeared both to my grandmother and to my mother and gave them words of assurance in times of uncertainty. When my husband and I were pondering whether to open a news bureau in London or in Jerusalem, I felt in my spirit that surely God would have us first to go to Jerusalem, the city of the great king, to report on his awesome fulfillments of Bible prophecies in these last days. But we were carefully seeking the Lord for guidance. And one night we visited a church where we were total strangers. I was later to learn that the preacher that night was one of the most gifted prophets in our generation who had ministered around the world with a great deal of accuracy and he impacted thousands of lives. And he called my husband forward and prophesied over him 
these exact words from Psalm 137. If I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the root of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Well, needless to say, that was a definitive word of definite direction that solved our dilemma. According to Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words, the words prophecy, to prophesy, and prophesying are from a similar Greek word which signifies the speaking forth of the mind and counsel of God. So prophecy is not synonymous with fortune telling, nor does it necessarily always mean a prediction of the future. Rather, it's the supernatural declaration of information in the past, present, or future, which can't be known by natural means and it's given by inspiration. Prophecy has the connotation of inspirational speech given spontaneously by the Holy Spirit. Thus, it can carry a higher anointing than conventional preaching or teaching and has the effect upon an unbeliever of manifesting, as Paul said, the secrets of one's heart. He mentioned that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it brings the presence of God. And here is an important distinction. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9, that we know in part and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. Whereas the prophets in the Hebrew Bible were required to be 100% accurate, or they would be stoned to death. Now, in the Hebrew language, there's more than one word for prophet, and each word sheds light on the continuing role of prophets in our midst today. For example, the Hebrew word for prophet I've seen more, most often, Nabi, was an inspirational speaker who, by his office, was primarily a preacher of righteousness. Another Hebrew word for prophets means a seer, a person who sees or perceives the mind and purposes and counsel of God by vision. Still another Hebrew word translated prophet was one who beheld visions or supernatural revelations from God. So these are all aspects. In the New Testament church, there is the simple gift of prophecy as mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and also it's mentioned in Romans 12, 6, in which any believer can flow in this gift as long as the gift is exercised by faith. However, the office of the New Testament prophet is mentioned in Ephesians 4, 11, and it is a ministry gift to the church from the ascended Messiah. It is a ministry office that is appointed and set by God in the body of Messiah at the will of the Holy Spirit. So not every believer is a prophet, but every believer can prophesy according to his or her faith. However, the prophet, the one who's in the office of a prophet, will prophesy with a greater magnitude, a greater frequency, certainly a greater authority, and a greater anointing. The ministry office of the prophet is more experienced and skilled at bringing forth the word of the Lord, and it's usually backed with other seeing ministry gifts, such as the discerning of spirits, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, 
in addition to the inspirational gift of prophecy. No man appoints himself to be a prophet of God, and no woman appoints herself as a prophetess. So let's talk further about the profit of the prophet. I mean, what is the spiritual benefit of the gift of prophecy? Well, the Holy Spirit imparts vision, as I said, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3. A prophet will continue to build on ministry by edification, by exhortations and giving comfort. Thus, prophetic activity sheds light and encourages vision by allowing someone to creatively speak into somebody's vision, to grant them more clarity, as perhaps the vision has already been germinated in a believer's spirit, but the prophet comes along and confirms that vision. That's a wonderful aspect. Vision is vitally important because Proverbs 29:18 says, without vision, people perish. And it could also be said, without the ministry of prophecy to nurture and enlarge vision, a person's vision could wither and die. Many ministers and laymen need to acknowledge that without the encouragement and exhortation of the prophetic gift, many of us would not have gone forward. So now I want to mention some more biblical examples of how the gift of prophecy was used by the Holy Spirit to encourage and strengthen vision. Hopefully these examples will help us recognize the need in our day for this vital gift. For example, when the persecutor of the church, Saul of Tarsus, was struck down by God on the road to Damascus, he was healed of his temporary blindness and filled with the Holy Spirit through the ministry of a brave disciple named Ananias in Damascus. Commissioned by God in a vision, Ananias ministered through the laying on of hands to Saul. And I'm sure the keen mind of Saul kept the prophetic word he received in his heart for the remainder of his life. Because Acts 9.15 records that Ananias was at first reluctant to go visit Saul of Tarsus because he'd been persecuting the church. But God had said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen vessel to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. For God says, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, imagine the vision inspiring awe that must have filled Saul's heart as he heard those lofty words that he was God's chosen instrument to proclaim his name to the Gentiles and their kings and to his people Israel. But the part about the great things he must suffer for the Lord's name also strengthen him later on in the fight. How does such a heavy word strengthen vision? Well, it operates like this. In the midst of a trial, the minister remembers that the Lord had already forewarned him of these trials, that the suffering is for the sake of the Lord's name. And so the prophetic word becomes a bulwark. It becomes an explanation. It's a comfort and a reassurance enabling the minister to persevere. Not only was this a glorious word to Saul who became Paul, that he would preach before kings, but it was also a prophecy that would strengthen him. During the catalog of trials that he listed in 2 Corinthians 11, 
such as shipwrecks and scourgings and the stoning and so many things and tribulations that he went through. He'd been forewarned. Let's learn that the prophetic word has creative power as when God spoke worlds into existence. The prophet Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 37, and the people lived. Let's see how the prophetic word creates vision by looking at the commissioning of Gideon in the book of Judges in the Hebrew Bible. Gideon didn't have a good self-image, and he said in Judges 6.15, Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Yet, God had chosen him as the leader to defeat Israel's enemies, the Midianites. So how was Gideon changed from a mediocre and timid man to a commander? Because Gideon apparently never forgot the magnitude of the prophetic words that the angel of the Lord spoke over him, saying, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Well, once the Holy Spirit breathes such a word over you, you'll never be the same. The prophetic word created and recreated Gideon from a timid person into a mighty man of valor. How was Joshua's vision as a leader enlarged and encouraged? Well, in Deuteronomy 34.9 in the Torah, we're told that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto Joshua and did as the Lord commanded Moses. This was accomplished by the prophetic exhortations and laying on of the hands by his predecessor, Moses. You see, when a mentor pronounces words of blessing over a protege, these are moments pregnant with possibilities of intense importance and impartation. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul imparted a spiritual gift and vision over his spiritual son, Timothy, through the laying on of hands and prophecy, just as Moses had blessed Joshua. So now, the prophetic ministry can be very dramatic. We just need to realize that. Prophetic actions and their circumstances are often very dramatic, stamping an indelible impression upon our spirits. This enables us to believe God that what has been spoken will surely come to pass eventually. For example, David never forgot the moment as is suspended in time when in front of his incredulous family, he was singled out by the imposing prophet Samuel and anointed with oil to be future king of Israel. The magnitude of such a prophetic word and action coming from such an authoritative person surely imparted vision and willpower for David to endure the long years of preparation, suffering, and rejection at the hands of King Saul. The prophet Daniel had vision to pray for the rebuilding of Jerusalem, which lay in desolation because of the prophetic words in the scrolls of the prophet Jeremiah. The prophetic words stirred Daniel to fast and pray, and thus Daniel received some of the most awesome visions and revelations of the plan of God for the times of the Gentiles and for the nation of Israel. In Daniel chapter 9, while Paul was visiting in Philip's house in Caesarea, 
a prophet from Judea named Agabus visited. And prophetic people, as I said, can be very dramatic because Agabus acted out a prophecy in front of everybody. He took Paul's belt and binding his own hands and feet, Agabus prophesied, thus says the Holy Spirit, in this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owners of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. Agabus didn't forbid Paul to go up to Jerusalem. Rather, he simply, through prophecy, prepared Paul for what would befall him. So when everybody in Philip's house heard the prophecy, they begged Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. But like Jesus, Paul had apparently set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. And he replied, why are you breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul couldn't be stopped, but the prophetic word armored him. The prophetic word builds confidence as well because it confirms the word of the Lord. It never contradicts God's word, but serves to reinforce it. Let's look at the New Testament again and see how the prophetic word created vision and confirmation in the life of Mary, the mother of our Lord. God granted Mary many prophetic words at various times through the messenger Gabriel, through her relative Elizabeth, through the prophet Simeon and the prophetess Anna, as well as the gifts of the wise men at Jesus' birth. Their gift of gold spoke to Mary of the Lord's future kingship. Frankincense spoke of his high priestly anointing, and the gift of myrrh was prophetic and helped to prepare her for his sacrificial death. Surely Mary would need to be a woman of vision to exercise parental authority over the Son of God. Imagine the reassurance, the deep joy and clarity brought to the trouble and pondering mind of our brave Mary when her cousin Elizabeth prophesied words of promise and unmistakable confirmation that Mary was indeed carrying in her womb the Messiah. For in Luke 2.45, Elizabeth prophesied to her, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were spoken to her from the Lord. By contrast, even the somber word given to Mary by the prophet Simeon in the temple that a sword would pierce through her own soul must have prepared her and been recalled by Mary as a strengthener and explanation at the time of her deep anguish when Jesus was executed and buried. Simeon's prophecy was a prophetic word of preparation. You see, in perplexing times when we go through the valley of the tears, such a word as Simeon's is remembered. It helps us to realize that God sees and foreknows all of our sufferings and sorrows, and he has a purpose in view. We realize that circumstances are not happening by accident, but that the Lord is sovereign over our lives, bringing good out of our sorrows, sending sunshine after rain, joy in the morning, and Romans 8:28, bringing all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Now a word about discernment, of course. Preachers of the prosperity gospel often prophesy individual success 
if one prays and donates to their ministries. The prophets tell us not to worry about ourselves, but to take care of those in need. St. Paul warned the Corinthians about eloquent preachers who were undermining his work. Prophecy should always be the testimony of Jesus who said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, I'd like to exhort believers today not to despise the gift of prophecy. It is one of the Lord's powerful gifts. The success of the gospel doesn't depend on the skill of the preacher, but on the demonstration of the Spirit and divine power. When Paul preached and prophesied, the truths he uttered were carried home to people's minds and hearts by the Spirit of the Lord, and consequently with the power of conviction which no force of reasoning could produce. And in the meantime, let's be continually aware that great Bible prophecies are being fulfilled all around us at this time. There's so much more to share at our website, exploits.tv where we invite you to watch our free video library. Let's connect on social media. And don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app so you can watch our videos on your phones or tablets. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. Maranatha, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you always. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.